Welcome to the Defense and Aerospace Report podcast. I'm your host, Vago Maradian. Our podcast is brought to you by Bell. Since 1935, Bell has been redefining flight. Learn more about its pioneering spirit at bellflight.com. Joining us today is a friend of our program who's joined us many, many times before, Dr. Wes Naylor, a retired United States Navy captain who commanded the Naval Air Warfare Center's Training and Simulation Division, and as well as the 50-pound brain advisory company. He is now the new CEO of Helicon Chemical, an innovative company uh, that was founded a decade ago by Dr. David Reed, uh, who developed a potentially revolutionary new propellant and binder for guided weapons, including uh, a new generation of hypersonic missiles. Wes, uh, welcome back to the program, and it's great to have you aboard. Vago, pleasure uh, to be with you as always, and uh, looking forward to the conversation. And before we get started, our global coverage is sponsored by Leonardo DRS. Fortress Information Security sponsors our weekly cyber report, and Northrop Grumman supports our cyber coverage overall, and General Atomics Aeronautical Systems sponsors our coverage of strategy. Uh, same here, uh, indeed, our, our producer, Chris Cervello, uh, you guys are uh, old friends. I should point out that aside from uh, Chris being our uh, producer, he's also the co-founder of the Provision Advisors PR firm who's worked with you. And, you know, in every iteration, Wes, you've uh, uh, continued to be involved in absolutely fascinating stuff, whether it was some of the 50-pound brain stuff we were talking about, uh, you know, the cutting state of the art and training and simulation technology. Uh, you guys were you were working on the uh, uh, clear system in order to be able to, um, you know, cleanse uh, aircraft cabins uh, of potential, uh, you know, biohazards. Uh, and that was at the height of the pandemic. And now, of course, this. Uh, so we wish you nothing but fair winds and a following seas uh, on the new assignment. Um, you know, talk to us a little bit uh, about uh, what it is you guys do and what it is that you guys do is so unique because uh, you've not just developed, uh, Dr. Reed, not just developed an entirely new propellant and binder uh, technology, but you also can improve almost anybody else's propellant and binder technology. And I want to preface this by saying there are pretty strict limits about what it is you can say under the international traffic and arms uh, regulation. But what is it you can tell us about what you guys do that's different and important at a time when the United States wants to improve its stocks of guided uh, weapons across the board from, from small munitions all the way up to big ones and hypersonic ones? Absolutely, Bhagavan. And uh, yeah, again, thanks for uh, the question. It's, it is a really interesting and challenging space. You know, as we look across um, DOD and the administration and how we're hoping to interact with small uh, innovative companies and what they can bring to the table, there's always a lot of barriers that we run into. And as you well know, whether it was in the modeling and simulation, um, the uh, advanced uh, biosecurity or cybersecurity domains, uh, our teams have been working around how can we find that advanced um, technology that is dual use, uh, has a very valid or proven use in the commercial sector, and rapidly transition it into use by the DOD in ways that make it accessible to everyone, you know, because I think that's one of the large challenges. I mean, certainly from the administration down through both the House and Senate Armed Services Committees, uh, there's this call out there that we have to bring innovation and small business to bear, but there's the challenges that we traditionally face of how do you get an idea that may be at a TRL one or two and transition that into a warfighter capability in short fashion, and that's a tall order. The thesis we came up with was 
if we could find more advanced uh, technologies at TR level, say five or above, that already had a proven commercial use as well, we could set a stage through the use of OTAs, SBIRs at the phase two and beyond level to start bringing that in in you know, what I like to think of really as an open architecture type of format for non-traditional things. When you think of that, generally we think of uh, software and open architecture, but what if we could bring in far UVC capabilities? What if we could bring in cybersecurity capabilities? What if we could bring in something that would dramatically improve the performance of solid rocket fuels and next generation technologies related to hypersonics? And we could do it in a way that it could insert into legacy and developmental programs at a very low level in the supply chain. And it didn't matter which OEM or which lead system integrator was doing it, or if the company that we have was doing it ourselves, we could make it available to program managers and defense planners in a more ubiquitous way. So that's kind of the thesis we're operating with off this. And, and so technologically, uh, right, I mean, so the thesis is important, but technologically, what is it you guys are doing, uh, both on the propellant side and on the binder side of it, right? I mean, the binder is what holds the, the whole thing together and makes the magic happen, right, in a controlled uh, fashion, uh, where you can even control thrust and a whole bunch of other things with that, of course, uh, which is important, certainly in a hypersonic application, in any application. What is it you guys that are doing that's, that's, that's different, drawing off of commercial in order to develop what could be actually kind of a breakthrough approach uh, on the defense side? Absolutely. So the, uh, the core intellectual property that is built around uh, that our founder, David Reed, was uh, one of the uh, principal investigators on uh, is around a technology that's really a new form of chemistry uh, producing uh, metallic polymer composites. Um, and it allows you to bring very unique material characteristics uh, to bear in a number of potential use cases. One of the most obvious uh, that it came to bear in was in the energetics line. If we could take the ability to produce a new formulation that could become a part of say a legacy rocket fuel formulation, whether it was for commercial or military use, keep all the good material properties in those legacies, but through the introduction of this unique um, structure, improve the capacity and output in a significant way, that's a very major change. And the fact that we can do this at the core level and the easiest level of upgrading an existing and proven binder with our technology really means that it can go into a legacy formulation. So you could take an existing, uh, system that you want to improve the range or lift capacity. And by inserting this compound uh, at a very low level in the um, developmental chain, directly improve the performance in a significant fashion that would cost hundreds of millions of dollars of non-recurring engineering if you were going to completely re-engineer a weapon system to come up with those gains in range or performance in some other way. Uh, so that's, you know, at the highest level what I can talk about is it's this, a new form of chemistry where we have specifically applied it to binders that works exceptionally well with all of the current uh, solid rocket fuels that are within the inventories, 
and also works exceptionally well in solid rocket fuels for um, hypersonics. Uh, and obviously, aluminum perchlorate is one of those uh, sort of staple fuels that we've used uh, since World War II uh, as, as sort of foundationally core to the, the solid rocket industry. You guys uh, just won the Air Force uh, Pitch uh, Day. Congratulations on that, by the way, July uh, 20 and 21. So most of us, when we were sweating at Farnborough, uh, Wes, you were <laughs> sweating at Eglin Air Force Base. Uh, at least you were in an air-conditioned setting. So that's that's good. Talk to us a little bit about uh, the pitch day uh, and what this phase two award means for you guys. Well, absolutely. And, uh, you know, David and the team have done a remarkable job uh, over the past nine years of taking what was, you know, a fundamental basic science find in this new um, form of chemistry and then developing it into actual products. And Helicon is bringing two products to market right now. One is the binder formulation, uh, which is part of the award at, um, at Eglin. And then the other is an actual aluminum powder formulation that is encased in uh, the binder material, which is a very high performance uh, additive for rocket fuels in general. Um, this was a great opportunity for us because we've done a lot of work with uh, other DOD entities, we've worked uh, and continue to work with uh, the Navy and ONR, the Air Force, AFRL, uh, MDA, and, and a score of commercial partners. But uh, that has allowed us in very specific use cases to mature the technology up to a TRL-6, uh, which is, you know, right at that break point where you can really say we can start figuring out how we can uh, work this into programs of record, which is that leap from SBIR that becomes so tough. Um, in order to do that, what we proposed was to take our binder and really uh, prove it out up to a TRL-6 level across the entire uh, inventory of what is currently being used. So the idea is to qualify it so that any commercial manufacturer, commercial partner or the Air Force itself or any DOD component command could then specify this as a capability or a component that they want included in a, a planned upgrade or a new development. Um, and there's not that same level to get over of uh, proving that it works because we've already done that in partnership with the Air Force. Let me just sort of go go back uh, in in terms of um, what is it uh, you guys do, right? I mean, you're uh, as as you mentioned, right? You can make things, you know, you're a little bit like BASF, right? You can uh, not not to you know, pull the company's legendary slogan, right? I mean, you make things better, right? So your uh, case is we can make it go faster, we can make it go farther, uh, and we can do that at the the f a fraction of the cost of of starting from scratch. How scalable is what you're doing, uh, right? I mean, because that becomes one of the more important questions the department uh, always asks. Um, you know, you're in a kind of a tough place because ultimately at, at some point the SBIR, you know what I mean? The small contracts are not really enough to sustain you. Um, mm -hmm. You're looking to get to that uh, bigger work. Um, you know, how scalable is what you're doing and, and what's the time scale uh, both in working with the customer to get you guys certified, but then also to build up the capacity that you guys have 
to be able to furnish and, and to do this at scale, Wes? Uh, it's, it's a great question, Mago, and it's, it's at the heart of what we're doing, um, not only in this recent award, but across other work that we've already been doing with the Navy and the Air Force, and also part of our uh, dual track, both commercial and uh, government track uh, development. Uh, it is a crucial part of what we're doing across the next 12 months. Uh, our ability to take what we've been able to prove out at the laboratory level and uh, in the small production domain and move that into large scale manufacturing. Uh, it's currently what we are doing. Uh, literally uh, in the process of signing the contracts with our partners uh, to be able to show that we can scale because it is a vital part of becoming a part of the defense infrastructure. There are lots of great ideas up there, but in order to work at the levels we wanna work at, there's a requirement to show that you can become a part of the national defense infrastructure at a scale where you can be a reliable supplier. So um, in addition to the great work, and we've had a lot of success with uh, our federal partners, um, we uh, are, are uh, in the process right now of finalizing our, our first raise uh, and bringing in some uh, outside capital uh, with people who see the vision and the maturity of our technology as it sits and realize that the uh, addressable market here, not only for this instantiation for uh, um, solid rocket fuels and propellants inside uh, the commercial and DOD, but the other uses of this chemistry, which are immense uh, into the semiconductor industries and others, just to name, uh, name one, uh, they see the value of this. So we are bringing pretty much what DOD and um, the uh, administration and uh, the Hill have been asking for is, you know, be a company that can find a dual use technology, tap into private sector capital and the government capital, and then use those to multiply the effect of each other to find that place in the uh, national infrastructure for uh, critical supply chain items like propellants. And, um, you know, just, uh, you know, you, you started by actually talking a little bit about semiconductors and I'm uh, interested in you being able to spin that out for our audience and the application for this in the semiconductor industry, right? Just like what propellants, uh, whether for defensive missiles, short range missile, missiles, right? Uh, Javelin or something that's much, much longer range. You guys have a role in that. What's the role in semiconductors? Because, because obviously there's the chips act. There's a lot of national focus on that uh, to, de to develop this capability and, and give the United States more sovereign capability. How do you guys play into uh, the whole semiconductor uh, piece of this equation? So the underlying chemistry that we were talking about, the uh, metallic polymer composites, uh, lend themselves to some extremely interesting use cases in uh, in heat management and uh, in dielectric films. Uh, we are at the early TRL levels of that. Uh, and as we build out our technology roadmap uh, across the next 18 months, uh, we understand the uh, critical functioning there as uh, portrayed in the CHIPS Act. And uh, we have gotten a tremendous amount of interest uh, from potential partners, um, as they see how this technology could be used uh, to improve the performance of semiconductors significantly through uh, heat management. And, and you just mentioned uh, 18 months. 
uh, one of my standard questions is, uh, when, you know, Wes, when you, you know, when you grow up in five years, uh, what do you want to be and how do you get there? Um, you know, we uh, heard re recently from Lee Madden uh, of Epirus, you know, in the challenge of, of sort of growing um, and, and sort of getting to that next stage. Uh, obviously, your investors want to get there. Uh, as well, uh, and I should have pointed out that, that uh, Dr. Reed, your your founder, you know, is, is still with the company as the chief technology officer, as the CTO. What's the growth plan, um, and where do you hope to be in in five years, and how do you get there? More importantly, well, that's you know, it kind of gets back to the uh, how do you eat an elephant one chunk at a time, um, and and that's that's what it is. You know, taking um, an idea from germination up and building that up to a very successful uh, SBIR firm. Uh, you know, David's done a tremendous job in that. And through that work, attracted the interest to say, okay, now can you take this from being a high functioning SBIR based concern and move into a production capability? Well, that requires more capital. It requires more team. It requires more capability. And that's what we're in the process of. Uh, obviously, bringing aboard investment and our targets over the next 12 to 18 months, it was 18 months, was my target on this first one, was building out the corporate infrastructure and um, the manufacturing capability, improving that out so that we could be delivering in thousands of kilograms rather than tens of kilograms at a laboratory scale. Um, through things such as the armament directorate, when the interest has gone up exponentially. So there might be some acceleration in, uh, in how we have to approach our growth. Uh, that's going to uh, obviously drive us towards additional investment and uh, in what I thought might be 18 months from now, probably 12 months from now, so that we can further build out uh, production partners that we can take this from lab to small manufacturer to coming up with a way that we can work with multiple partners in very large settings uh, to produce and insert this. Uh, we're also seeing some very interesting things coming out through executive orders around uh, Defense uh, Production Act. Uh, certainly one coming around uh, critical infrastructure and items for hypersonics. We fit into that domain very well. The question is, do we continue to build out so that we are producing the entire propellant in partnership with someone, or are we just providing the binder for that? Um, there could very easily be said that there's an argument or DPA in the outreach for small businesses to grow that out, that that might be a very interesting and viable path for us with the right partners. Um, not only for the hypersonic fuel, but just for energetics in particular. Uh, you know, those are parts of critical uh, infrastructures for both defense and commercial use uh, inside the United States. And uh, given the right conditions, uh, the ability to provide additional outlets in partnership with uh, the folks we've already been working at, that could make for a very attractive path for us over the next five years. Wes, uh, Fairwinds following seas. We wish you all the best of luck and look forward to staying in touch with you as you go through the process. Uh, again, congratulations and uh, wishing you all the very best. Baga, thanks so much. Always a pleasure. And uh, hope you guys are having a great summer up there and uh, look forward to seeing you guys soon. Indeed, whether in Florida or anywhere else.